Welcome to the Empowered to Connect podcast, where we come together to discuss a healing-centered approach to engagement and well-being for ourselves, our families, and our communities. I'm J.D. Wilson, and I'm your host. And today in the show, Tana Adegar and I uh, take a deep dive into one of Dr. Karen Purvis's uh, most impactful videos from our YouTube page, uh, how to handle uh, manipulation and control. Uh, obviously, if you've got kids or if you've been around humans before, you know that uh, we all tend to manipulate things and control things or attempt to control things uh, either out of uh, healthiness, out of dysfunction. Um, sometimes we don't even realize that we are doing these things. Um, and that's us as healthy-ish adults. Uh, what we do know is that uh, for our kids, especially kids who have experienced trauma and loss, that can be uh, a survival tool that gets them through very difficult times and becomes ingrained as a survival mechanism uh, that can be reverted to in times uh, in later on in life. So we wanted to look at and talk about uh, how do we handle that uh, as parents, as caregivers? Um, how can we handle that in some healthy ways? How do we even think about these things? Um, and Dr. Purvis gives some great, great tips as well as uh, Tana and I uh, walking through kind of practical examples of what that looks like in our own lives and uh, the lives of those we are uh, a part of. And so uh, I think this is just a great, great practical episode. If you have uh, any kind of issues like this going on in your house, uh, definitely give this a listen. And uh, now without any further ado, here she is, Dr. Karen Purvis. Primary tools for children who didn't have a voice are manipulation and control. Now, all children explore manipulation, even in the most loving homes. All children explore control in even the most loving homes. Again, this is a normal developmental exploration. For the child from the hard place, manipulation may have become the way they believe they survived. Control may be what they believe stood between them and death. Now, when we look at a child with these issues, obviously those issues are not okay. But again, I don't want to overreact. I don't want to label my child a controller or a manipulator. I want to stand back from the behavior and realize it has a function. So if a child is saying something to me, for example, they want something, but they're using a manipulative round to get there, I will say, well, stop, sweetie. Now, I'm, I'm going to be matching. I'm going to be looking into their eyes, and I'm going to say, now, well, stop. I want to meet your need, but I need honest words, not this little roundabout. Okay, so give me honest words. Let me see what we can do. Let's work it out together. And very often, I will find a child say, well, I really want X. Now, if it's in my power at that moment, I'm going to say yes, because I want my child to know they don't have to use tricks to be heard by me. Now, I can't always say yes, obviously. I shouldn't always say yes, but I can say it a lot more often than I do. So we know from child development that there's a continuum of two poles that predict the best development long-term. Predictability and control. So some of our children have come from very unpredictable environments, some of them have come from very controlling environments. But appropriate levels of predictability and control will help our children let go of the need to control the world. 
We have mothers who come to us saying, my child tells me what shoes to wear in the morning. You know, say, so I say to that child, you know what, it's not okay for you to tell mommy what to wear, but let's go to your room and choose what you'll wear tomorrow. So I'm going to take away control of the world by giving my child appropriate control. Every one of our children must have appropriate control in their environment, and they must be able to predict what's going to happen. So I can take away these tools predict of, by giving, I can take away manipulation and control by giving my child appropriate levels of predictability and control in their environment. I can become their partner. Again, it's very important to come alongside of the child. It's not like, aha, gotcha, being bad. But rather, sweetie, let's work on this together. That's not okay. I'm listening to you. Tell me what you need. So one of the primary mistakes that parents make about this is thinking, my child is so controlling, I'm going to take away control of everything. And see, they're going to learn to make good choices by making small choices. I remember one darling little girl we worked with who had to be in control of everything, and she was just a tiny little bitty snippet of a thing. She was like five years old. But her mother would, was there, in, and I was there with her in the home, and her mother said, sweetie, we're going to have a peanut butter sandwich for lunch. Come on to the table. And she said, no, no, I have a better idea. Let's have a peanut butter sandwich for lunch. The little thing just had to feel like she was in control. And so we got down at her height and we looked her in the eye and said, no, mama already decided on the sandwich, but you could decide between these three fruits for our dessert. What do you choose? So see, I'm going to let a child have some control. I'm sharing power. They're going to practice making choices in a controlled environment so that they don't have to take over the world. I have had a child come, for example, to our camp who was hungry many, many times. He would come into the camp door every morning asking exactly what we would have to eat all day long. And I went through what we would have for the morning snack and what we would have for the noon snack and what we would have all day long. And I did that with him for a number of days, more than a week, every day. I went through, and one morning he came in and I said, sweetheart, today, would you go with me and look in the kitchen and let me show you? We have so very much food, and I promise you, you're never going to be hungry here. But just for today, would you trust Miss Karen? I'm going to meet every hunger need you have. And you just get to be a little boy today. So for that little period of time, that little boy could practice trusting me just that long, just a few hours, that there was plenty to eat. Our children learn to make good choices as they trust that they have a voice and as that they trust that we see what they need. And in that environment, they will give up control and manipulation in terms of relationship. Well, fresh off of our Karen Purvis video, uh, we're going to talk today about uh, Tana, a topic that is um, sorely needed in, in most of our minds, um, maybe two or three times a year, we just need this reminder. Um, and so for, for anybody who is uh, parenting, grandparenting, uh, aunt and uncling, um, <laughs> caring for kids in any way, shape, or form, uh, this the principles that, that Karen talked about in that video that we're going to dive into a little bit deeper 
are, they're just principles that we have got to keep ingrained um, in us. And so uh, Donna Ottinger and I are just going to walk through a couple of things that uh, just sort of reflections and a deeper dive into uh, what Karen talked about today. So Donna, thank you for uh, joining today. And also um, when we talked about this, you had a, a pretty, a pretty, you know, clear response to this right out of the gate. And why don't we jump right into it? And so um, when, when Karen's talking about this, she starts off right from the jump talking about uh, needing to remember what's developmentally appropriate um, yeah. responses for your kids. Do you want to unpack that a little bit more for those who are just walking into this conversation? Yeah, I <clears throat> thank you. Um, I appreciate that Karen talked about how control and even manipulation is like a developmentally appropriate thing for children to do. And I think that I can't overstate enough how important it is for us as parents or caregivers to sometimes just remember that there is a basic trajectory of child development and how helpful it is to remember that there's developmental ages and stages when children are learning and thinking and growing and trying out new behaviors. And again, that doesn't make them manipulators or controllers, and she even sort of harks to that in the video, it makes them children who are growing and developing. So all of us who have been parents or children, you know, caregivers to any kids in any way have experienced a moment where a kiddo was trying to man- manipulate or control us. That's right, just right. part of what they're hardwired to do as kids. And then there is something to be said for us understanding the impacts of adversity and loss and trauma and harm, um, transitions, significant life transitions for kiddos who've experienced those things and how, again, one of their survival strategies, one of their adaptive strategies out of that place of loss or trauma or harm is control. So if if their world, if their life, if their body if their well-being, if their hearts, if they're a little person, or if they're a more older person, teenager, young, you know, young tween, any any age range, if they have experienced um, any number of externalized adversity, yeah, we are wired as humans in that moment of stress to attempt to assert control. Like right. it's not something they're doing wrong. It doesn't yeah. make them bad. It's the human way to respond. And so this like honoring of their humanity, their ability to survive and overcome difficulties and stress, that that, that is what they are hardwired to do. Right. It's what I do. Like, yes. Well, you know, in, in places of high stress, you're going to see a over-controlling Tana show up. Right. Well, Karen mentioned even, you know, for kids that have histories prior to coming into your own home, that might have literally been the mechanisms for survival, for their survival, either uh, mentally, emotionally, or physically, like their physical survival could have depend on, depended on their ability to control and manipulate a situation to escape. And so, uh, to not consider that, uh, is, uh, it can be a, a you know a near fatal parenting flaw, right? Um, yeah. and and can set yeah. you way like, way dishonor back. them. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You're. It, it's just missing if you if you don't sort of not only see it, but actually dig deep enough to like 
respect it. Yeah. You're going to miss your kid. And I think about parents You're, you're going to miss them. I think about parents who, uh, and I'll just put my hand up here. I was going to be general. This is me. When I first started parenting, you know, for, uh, if you've heard me talk about this before, we have two kids through adoption, two kids biologically. So uh, both of our kids through adoption were, you know, brought into our homes when they were, you know, a number of days old. And so did not come with uh, any kind of institutionalized history. And I think because of my naivety and and not understanding um, the brain and how it works and how trauma works, I thought, phew, Oh, now I, we missed we missed the trauma since they since they're getting here so early, and you know obviously um, I, I would also say for our two bio kids same thing like uh, we think like oh they were you know born into our family like and biologically and, and so this this means we missed the trauma and nope <laughs> and so I think no. that it's it's a key for all of us to remember that. Uh, there are so many factors that go into um, our own mental makeup and, and how we make decisions and how we earn trust and how we try to build trust and how we try to survive uh, in our good and bad moments that as, as you're growing and developing as a child, those things are all going to come out um, as they come out. And so uh, it's our job as, as parents, caregivers to help kind of mold and turn and shape and, and guide those things. And if we don't have an understanding of, of where the road could be coming from, there's no way to get it to where we want it to go. Yeah. I mean, she even said, Dr. Purvis said in that video, even in the most loving homes, kids are going to try on manipulation right. control. I can confirm and this. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. Because it's just what we're biologically wired to do when we're under stress. Totally. If things are out of control, then we're wired to try to control them. Yeah. yeah. So sort of seeing that, I think, just sort of think about, okay, well, then what is our response as parents? You know, and I'll say parents. It could be caregivers, teachers, educators, you know, any any kind of caregiving role yeah. is to, we've talked about this on other episodes, practice the pause and just sort of say like, okay, what's going on here? And what could what could be happening in the moment? what could be happening sort of in the larger scheme of this child's circumstances in the past, in the present? Um, did something external just happen that caused them to experience some internal unrest? Is this harking back to old memories? You know, we it's important to say here with manipulation and control And to sort of say to what you said, J.D., remembering that there are both implicit and explicit memories. Yes. And that our children remember things, even if they can't put their words to it, their body remembers and their brain remembers. Yeah. And it's made an impact on them. And that's the implicit part. They, It's there and they might have a sense of something. They couldn't tell you the exact details with language on a memory or a situation. Yeah. But they might carry themselves in a way where they are concerned about like food scarcity or food safety or right. physical health or well-being right. or something might happen that might trigger something them that they don't even understand why they're suddenly feeling anxious or nervous or overwhelmed. But there's potentially some reasons for that that could be all the way back to in utero. So just sort of taking a minute and practicing that pause and being mindful of where your kids have come from and what they've experienced. Yeah. You know, is, is sort of the first thing I would say to do. And and just learn a little bit. Just educate yourself that, you know, stress and trauma can produce 
the adaptive strategies of manipulation and control. Just sort of recognizing that that it, that that's happening outside of this family. Yeah. It's happening outside of this relationship. Yeah. So this isn't about you. And it is not about them being a bad, controlling, manipulative kid. So we're sort of removing the taking it personal or making it personal. We're going to remove those labels and sort of honor what's happening and maybe why it's happening. Yeah. Well, and I think that, (laughs) to touch on one of those pieces, uh, at least for, I would say most of the the families that I've been in conversation with in the last few weeks, just friends of ours and um, folks um, around town, not taking it personal or making it personal might be the single hardest tool um, to to use in parenting because um, we're just, I, I think to a, to a large extent, we're wired as uh, th- those of us who grew up in a, in a more traditional parenting setting. And actually, no, I would say human beings are just General, wired. Yes. Yeah. As as hurtful things are said to you or thrown your direction, um, immediately there's this inner narrative of, well, you're a punk if you don't deal with this or you're weak if you don't deal with this. Don't then talk to you this way. Like teach them respect. You got to show them respect and show them. And, you know, in these situations where kids might be using these adaptive strategies to to attempt to gain control uh, in an environment where they might feel, you know, whatever they're feeling in the moment, (laughs) responding with trying to squash a child to, to like establish your control will, will cause a massive tailspin. And so, uh, so in light of that, you know, when, when Karen's talking, she gives us some great, great, uh, strategies to try and deal with these things. Um, but most people will have heard, uh, you know, the advice to respond and not react. Um, there's a couple of different ways that she talks about doing that. Why don't we break those down now? So do you want to talk about the first the first way that, to do that? Yeah, sure. And maybe before I get into that, I just want to speak really quickly, JD, and like honor what you just said, because just as a parent and caregiver, let me just, even from my own perspective, it's completely normal and understandable that we would take it personal. Like yeah. we are hardwired to protect ourselves. And if somebody is coming at you in a way that feels like they're going to control or manipulate you, guess what? Like almost, if you can put your finger on what that's causing in you, you might find a place of more empathy yeah. for why your kid is trying to exert their control. Like, yeah. because they're just a human, they just might be younger than you, but that is like, right. we are wired for self-protection, us too. So if you find yourself taking it personal or wanting to get defensive or wanting to react. Yeah. I would recommend like taking a deep breath going, okay, that that's what I'm feeling. And then go, huh? I wonder if that might be what my kid's doing right now too. Oh, maybe they are. Okay. So I can empathize with them now. Like I actually think we find the empathy and compassion for our children by being willing to see it rearing up in us as well. So Part of that is like practicing the pause. So anyway, that's just that mindful work that doesn't always happen in the moment, especially if we're running hot. Sometimes that's after the moment, thinking it out loud, talking, you know, with your partner or spouse, talking to a right. friend about when, you know, this my kiddo does this, this is how I feel. And I want to lose my mind or I do lose my mind. I wonder why. So being as curious with yourself and don't shame yourself for needing control yeah. and for self-protection. And I think one more thing to tack on this before we transition to the next point. 
There may be somebody listening to this today who has said something at some point in time they didn't mean. Like they said something right. they didn't mean uh, just in a moment trying to hurt somebody uh, because they're in an argument, they're hurt, so they wanted to say something back hurtful just to, just to, to just spite that it. person, just to do it. And then most, most likely that person at some point walked that back and said, I'm sorry, I don't really think that you are X, Y, and Z. And so to remember that also, uh, it, to, to remember that most likely um, in these situations, there are things being said that are, that are just attempting to take control and whatever needs to be said to take control will come out in a moment. And so if you can remember, these are not usually things that are truths being nailed to the wall. It's attempts to try and take down <laughs> the authority around them, right? And so just remember that it might not be things that these kids really actually mean. It might be things that are being said specifically just to try and control, so. Man, JD, I think we could talk about that forever. I yeah. cannot, I mean, I appreciate you saying that. Yes, I mean, I've done it. Yeah. Oh, say hurtful things. I, I, I never that? would, but I can imagine what it would be like to say something like that. Oh, totally. Because you would never, ever do that right. Totally. Right. Uh, so if we're doing it, if we're acknowledging it as, you know, somewhat grownups with yeah. somewhat developed brains, <laughs> right. then let's just think about our kids, yes. especially our kids who are, again, have like their, their controlling part of who they are has probably right. gotten overworked. Yep. And trust is, it has not happened because there was a vacuum for trust to be built. Totally. So if you are parenting a kiddo, so sort of to go back to like, well, how do we respond yeah. um, instead of react? I, I think I'll say you probably will react sometimes. So you get to find an episode we talk about repair because you're going to have to repair after you <laughs> react. But let's just say yeah. that in a perfect scenario, you sort of have a level head and you're able to do some responding um, I mean, Dr. Purvis talked about a couple of things that I think are worth highlighting. One is she talked about those that we've got to replace control and manipulation with something else. So they need replacement strategies. You can't and shouldn't just tell a kid to stop doing something without teaching them and giving them the path for what they should do right. instead. Correct. Behavior won't change if you just tell a kid to stop. Right. Because the behavior is serving a purpose and they need to do something different. Yeah. So you help a kid grow by showing them a different way forward. So she sort of was talking about manipulation and control and the things to replace that with was predictability and giving them an appropriate level of control. Yeah. Now, you sort of said it earlier, and I've, I do this if I'm not super mindful, and I probably still do it anyway. We, what we do when we're forced with somebody trying to take our control is we double down. Yep. If we aren't mindful and paying attention, we're going to double. Well, who are you to tell me what to do? Right. You don't run this house. Who's, you know, I'm the boss here. You're not the boss. You, know, you don't tell me what to do. I'm going to tell you what to do. You do it because I said so. When I said so, right now. I mean, right. just we can, and we can do that in any number of ways. We don't have to say it that way. It can be with our body language. It can be with our tone of voice. It can be, you know, any number of ways. If we are being controlled and manipulated, we are going to attempt to not give up that control and manipulation as a parent yeah. or caregiver. So we need to go, okay, take a deep breath. This is why the kid's doing it. So how can I, in the moment, there's some outside the moment 
strategies and there's some inside the moment strategies. But inside the moment, when it's happening and there's some in, engagement or interaction going on, how can we give them an appropriate level of control? So her example of that was um, the inside the moment was the example of the little girl that the mom said we're having peanut butter sandwich. Yeah. And she goes, I have a better idea. We're going to have peanut butter sandwich. Press, precious little girl. Like she was just so scared right. to not be in control of what was happening for lunch, you know? So inside that moment, Karen said that she reminded the little girl that mom had made the decision. Mom's in control. You can trust mom. Like mom picked the same thing you would have wanted. Now, how about you get to choose what we have for tomorrow. So that's an, that's an example of giving the kiddo an appropriate level of control, giving them voice, giving choices when they can have them, and, and do it in setting up situations in your day that are very intentionally created to give your child control. Yeah. yeah. So anytime you can let them have control over something that's still within the bounds of moving things the way they need to be moved, which cereal do you want? You know, what do you want to do first? What pajamas do you want to wear? What order do you want to get ready for bed? I mean, giving yeah. them the ability to have some control that's within the appropriate levels of control is what she's talking about. And that's where that's what happens when we start doubling down. I think that we can take these moments of when they're over-controlling and then we can strip away all right. choice and voice thinking without maybe being super intentional about it, well, we're going to show them who's boss and they're going to submit, they're going to honor, and then they're going to play by the rules. That's the exact opposite of what will happen. You double down, so will they. Right, 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 right. And you might feel, so you might double down and in the moment be able to suppress a voice and mistake a a break in trust with you know, reestablishing your authority. And so that kid might go away and might start being more submissive, might start, you know, being quieter. And really what's happened is you've breached trust. And so there's not a way to, to learn negotiation. I think about also the long-term patterns that are being established here is, you know, one, you are teaching a healthy response or, or respective authority that if you don't understand something, you can ask for something different. And, you're teaching what a positive authority does, which is to say, well, we're going to hold the line on X, Y, or Z thing that is important in the moment, but here's something I would love to give you control of or give you voice in. And, and that's going to build trust, but it's also going to build dependability on the adult, on the, the caregiver that they do have my best, my best, you know, interests at heart. And I can trust them to, you know, give me some, some decisions to make. And as you grow older and that decision-making becomes a little stronger, then you're able to give bigger and bigger uh, amounts of control to the kid. Because again, the idea is we're not going to create kids that are dependent on a dictatorship, dependent on someone hovering over them, telling them exactly what to do every moment. Because what happens when that kid then transitions into independence, they're hosed. Because at that point, you can't expect somebody to go from living under a helicopter authoritarian rule to then living in complete freedom and to make to then just think, well, what would mom make me do right now? What would dad yeah. make me do right now? No, the, the idea is we're, we're having this, this, and I, I'm using my hands on a podcast that's audio, but yeah. <laughs> we're using this yeah. transition of, yeah. you know, we're giving more and more and more authority or, you know, responsibility as kids are, are getting older and more and more decision-making power so that there's a ramp up. They're, they're on this, this off-ramp 
from childhood to adulthood, and they're able to get up to speed as they're starting to merge into, you know, adult life. Yeah, the fancy word for that is scaffolding. Yeah. So we're doing, yeah. a, we're scaffolding a couple of different ways. We're scaffolding them through that shared power into more independence. So we're teaching them through appropriate levels of shared power and scaffolding them to making their independent decisions. Because when you've got a young kid that's wanting to control, they want to make all the decisions and that isn't healthy for them. Yeah. So don't take it all away, figure out how you can. And then as they grow in their ability to make those decisions, you can give them more and more independent decision-making, that scaffolding them towards decisions. But that happens like in exact, um, I don't know how we would say it, like that's exactly connected to scaffolding trust. Yeah. So yeah. this is the outside the moment thing. And Dr. Purvis like gave a beautiful example of that when she talked about the little boy that was going to camp there. And he came in and kept asking about food. Well, she was, you know, thoughtful enough and discerning enough to realize he was having some food insecurities. Yeah. And so he, what could have been seemed as annoyance or control, she recognized as a need, like a need he had to understand that when the food was coming, you know, so a lot of kids are like, what's happening next? And can we, you know, just, they may be over asking about schedule or situation, or maybe they appear inflexible. And really it's coming out of a place of sort of unsettledness inside. Yeah. So anyway, she she scaffolded him towards trusting. And she did that, as she said, like over a week, telling him the schedule, telling him what was coming, helping him realize not just through her words, but through the pattern of action, the repetition day after day after day after day, food comes to you in this way. That's the predictability. Right. So we have to be structured and predictable as caregivers. You might be loosey-goosey and fly by the seat of your pants, and that may not be what your kid needs. If they are grasping for control, that may be your sign to up your predictability and structure. You may need to become more structured and put charts up on the wall and make that menu and take them to the grocery store and stick by a schedule so that they can know what's coming. So anyway, she used the predictability of that camp food structure, probably, bless her, talk to him about food all day anytime he asked with such compassion right. and kindness and no yeah. sense of exasperation, but in every sense of celebrating his curiosity about what they were having for lunch and how fast it was coming. Yep. And then when she thought, maybe I can ask a little more of him, she scaffolded him towards trusting her by saying, let's go look at all the food. Can you trust me today? that I'll get you the food. And you know what he did? And and did you hear what she said? I loved it. Oh, she said, I just asked him for a few hours. Yeah. Yes. She knew that that little guy couldn't have handled a full day. Right. No, even a full day or a whole week or just this blanket check of trust. Yep. He needed to build up to the blanket check of trust that's just written off to the caregiver he's got right then. Right. That's the part that I know. I mean, I know from both personal experience and just walking with so many families, this can get so exhausting. Yeah. It can be so weary to not be trusted by the children that you love and adore. I promise you they are trusting you as much as they can. Yeah. 
And if they are still grappling for control and manipulation, it's because they just can't give you any more yet. So how can you problem solve, work together, put those protective factors in that show them that predictability and consistency, share power with them, give them choice and voice and celebrate when they use it well and scaffold like, and, and see, don't miss the moments when they can trust you for a few hours. Don't miss the moments when you ask for flexibility or for them to choose something different and they do it successfully. Yeah. But this does not, you don't, you cannot take a child who has, used control and manipulation as an adaptive strategy for survival and expect them just to set that aside. Yeah. They can't do it. So yeah. don't set yourself up to fail or them to fail. Right. 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 They, they need time. And they need predictability and they need consistency and they need compassion and empathy and kindness. Like just kindness and understanding. They need a mom or a dad or a caregiver or a parent or grandparent or an auntie or an uncle that understands and honors where that control manipulation is coming from and then gives them the skills and strategy and support and love to set it aside and pick up trust and, and pick up the ability to rest in you, in relationship with you, and and that it does not happen overnight. It just doesn't happen overnight. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I, mean, I I just think that uh, again, this I mean, it sits at the core of all that we talk about with ETC, um, all of Dr. Purvis's teachings. But um, this long, slow tread toward trust is uh, worth it, and uh, not something that you usually see the immediate results of every day. Um, but we were even talking before we got on the phone and just have, you know, our, our kids are at two different, uh, Ottinger kids and Wilson kids are at two different stages in life for the most part. And so you're, you're giving some encouragement of, Hey, listen, trust me, we, you know, it, you will see some changes over time. Like what, cause I think when you're in the middle of it and you're in those phase and, and I know so many of you listening are, um, in those phases where you can't see the forest for the trees, you're just stuck right at, you know, trudging through what's right in front of your face. And so uh, for all of us that are in that spot, th- this is just a, you know, a 30,000 foot reminder of, of, you know, the path that we are walking. And so uh, stay in it. I-, I would say stopping to reflect a lot um, is really helpful on, on where your kids started, where you started, where you are now, where your kids are now. Um, and then at, asking for help and, and finding your people that can help spur you on and remind you of why you're doing this when you want to quit. Cause uh, yeah. if you're a human, you will at some point want to quit. So yeah. um, my, my encouragement is, is stay the course. These, these moments, these one-on-one interactions, they build on top of each other like little bricks yeah. that just build and, and don't build a wall, but build a pathway forward together. Like you've got to take the wall down and sort of build something new with it. Build a little walkway forward and you will see the fruit of it if you are patient and consistent because you know that it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Even if your kiddo isn't, you know, ready to give over some of that manipulation and control right now. Again, my like my, my deepest, I would implore you if you are tempted to double down 
relinquish that. Just don't do it. So, I mean, from a been there, done that parent that doubled down and then had to backtrack and start again. Yeah. Just try not to. Yeah. Try to take a deep breath and see that kiddo for where they are and then figure out how to move forward together. One interaction at a time, honoring what's going on inside of them and honoring what's going on inside of you. And that sounds like a great place for us to stop for today. Uh, and just as a matter of preview for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be continuing to uh, share more connecting practices with you um, over the coming weeks as we head toward fall. And we've got, uh, as we kind of hinted out last week, a great uh, fall lineup of, of guests and professionals that are going to be joining us on the show. And so we're excited to be able to introduce them to you or, or to have them uh, spotlighted for those of you who already know who they are. Um, but uh, yeah, stay in it, stay in uh, stay in the journey um, and and keep moving forward. And as always, if you've got uh, comments, questions, anything that you want to share with us um, and by way of um, either suggestions for guests or ideas for content or uh, feedback, thoughts you had uh, related to what we've shared, as always, you can find us, you know, send us a message on, on social media. Um, you can... Uh, shoot us some feedback from a feedback form on our website, empoweredtoconnect.org slash podcast. Uh, or you are uh, welcome to put those in the reviews on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, uh, or wherever you listen to your podcast. So we do check those things and are excited to, to hear from you whenever we do. So uh, for Tana Ottinger, for J.D. Wilson, myself, the whole team here at ETC, uh, we will see you next week on the Empowered Tonight podcast.